and said, it's good to see you this morning. You all do look really good, even though you braved, what is it, 30-some degrees outside this morning? But it's nice to come into the building and it be warm and toasty in every other aspect. I will tell you, you will be excited this week, though. Many of you might have anticipated what we were going to preach this week. Because if you've been in the church for a while, you know that we were in the book of James for 12 weeks. Guess what? We're not in the book of James this week. Praise the Lord, right? 12 weeks of the book of James, and we're excited that we're able to move on. And I, I was telling Sister Amy, I said, you know what? I feel so nice and, and wonderful when the Lord releases something out of my heart and puts me into another preparation. But then he, told, he spoke a word over me, and I said, Lord, what are you getting ready to talk about? And he said, get ready. We're talking about leftovers. So I was like, okay, God, where are you going with me this week? And, and I've just been enjoying the study that I've had this week because, honestly, when he gives me these little nuggets, I enjoy the time I get to spend with his word. I get to enjoy the time I spend in prayer. I get to enjoy the time that his Holy Spirit comes into me and ministers a word into my, my, my mind and, and, and just keeps nourishing me like everything else. But I loved it even more when he brought to the remembrance of, uh, uh, of what we were getting ready to go through that week because the word came to me, I think it was Sunday afternoon after church, and I said, God, where are we going with leftovers? And he says, get ready. So, so we went through the holiday season, and my mother and father-in-law came over. We had all of our kids at our house, and then we got done, and I looked at my wife. I said, honey, I love you. You made a delicious meal. Honestly, if you would have looked at her Facebook page, you'll see what we had. But I looked at her and I said, Honey, you don't realize when you cook, you make for an army of like 45 people. At my house, we had nine. And I said, Okay, it's okay though. I'm thankful we had our turkey, we had our stuffing, we had potatoes, green beans, corn, asparagus. We had dressing, and it was just a wonderful feast. But I looked at it, and I, and, and I don't know about you. I know Sister Amy already asked if you were tired of turkey. But did you look at the meal after you got done and say, where am I going to put all of this food? It never ends with our household. It's like... Christmas is the same way. I already know what I'm getting ready to get into with Christmas. I know that, that my wife is going to make me order the ham and, and we're going to have so much that I'm going to be swimming in ham for two weeks. But I say all this because one of the things that we dread after the holidays is what's left over. See, Thanksgiving, I'm thankful that we get to spend time with family. I'm, I'm so blessed that I have friends that I get to talk to on these holidays and, and just reflect on what God was doing in our lives. I'm so thankful that God is so good to us. But it comes a point when you get your belly full and the turkey enzymes start dissolving in your body with all of you want to do is just go to bed and wake up the next day and hope that the turkey put itself away. 
but it's the aftermath that we, 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 we kind of dread. Now, I want to ask you, how much Tupperware did you have to use this year? Not much. Brother Steve, I envy you. But here's another thing that I want to ask. How many of you had to clean out the fridge to find room for the leftover turkey? You see, there's a struggle that we all have of trying to find the places in the room for everything that we need and, and trying to make it work. In my household, the leftovers, I love leftovers. My wife, not so much. She looks at me and says, if it's leftover, just throw it away. I, I, I want something fresh the next day. And I look at her and I said, honey, you don't realize that's the good stuff, right? When you, when you get the turkey and you put it on the bread with American cheese on it and some other food on there, and you're just like, mmm, this is so good. Can I tell you the FDA is my source of reference for how long my food is good for? No? The FDA says that if your food is stored properly, it's good for four days. So you know what I'm getting ready to eat when I get home, right? I'm getting ready to eat the turkey. I'm getting ready to eat some more dressing and more potatoes, more green beans, and everything in between. Because I know that if it's properly stored for four days, it's good. And better yet, that if I can get my micro, or what is, in my household, we don't call it the microwave. We call it the microwave because of TikTok. You've got to make it sound French somewhere, right? I know that that microwave can get my food up to 165 degrees, so it's going to be not having all the poisons in it that can be coming through because of the decay of the food. But all joking aside, I'm thankful that we have it. And that's where I kind of was like, God, you have a sense of humor when you tell me to talk about leftovers. Because this is what my household looks like every single day. I pull it out, and I got pumpkin pie. I pull it out, I got the dressing and the rolls and everything in between. And he says, I want you to preach on the leftovers and why they matter so much. And the key text this morning, I didn't get it put on the screen this morning, but if you'll bear with me, comes out of the book of Matthew and the chapter of the 14th. And we're going to look at the verses of 13 through 21. you got it, they'll say, I got it. If you don't, just say, woe me, because you're just going to have to listen to it. And it starts off, and it says, Now when Jesus had heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat into a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had great compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. The, uh, the day is over now. Send these crowds away so they can go into the villages and so they can buy themselves food. But Jesus said they need not to go away. You give them something to eat. Can I just say... That right there is like the worst comment anybody could ever give you. 
You're over going, okay, I'm ready for the company to be gone. I want them out of the house and I want them to go so I can sit around and put my sweatpants back on and get comfortable. And then when Jesus is telling the disciples, get ready, they don't need to go away. You go feed them. I'm sure their jaws just went to the floor. And he's, they're considering this and they're going, what is this that's going to happen? And he said to them a little bit further, and he says, they don't need to go away, but you need to give them something to eat. And they said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down in the grass. And they taking the five loaves and the two fish, he took it. Uh, and looked up to heaven and said a blessing. And then they broke the loaves and they gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And when they were all satisfied, can you say all satisfied? satisfied. That means they got that turkey little little drogginess kicking in and they're all super slap, slap happy and they're ready to go to bed because they were all satisfied. The disciples and all of them took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. And all those who were eight were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Lord, touch us this morning. Touch me. Clear my head up, Lord, so I can preach your message that you've given me, Lord. And let it be an edification to this body, Lord, that needs to hear why we have hope. And why we need you more. God, guide us, Lord, touch us, Lord, and be with us. And everybody said, Amen. You see, one of the things that I love about this text is because it reminds us so much of the lack that we have. If I were to ask you, how much is in your bank account? Do you have a million dollars? Everybody in this place, I would imagine, say, nope. I pray for it every single day, but it never comes. Because you know what? I hold on to the promise that I have not because I ask not. I'm not saying I want the million dollars. I just want to be able to make my men's meet all the time. Can I get an agreement? But, but it reminds us that we are in the place of lacking, in a place of, of insufficientness in our lives. It comes and reminds us of, of the goodness of God even though and through our insufficient needs. He's capable of doing such and great and awesome things. You see, when I was reading through this text this week, one of the things that, that God kept pointing out to me was that God uses the little. <coughs> the little to do great and mighty things. <coughs> you see, <coughs> sorry. In this text, what we find is, is that God is doing some awesome, mighty things around the people because he saw the great need. He saw the crowd and he looked upon them, even though he wanted to get to a place where he was by himself, and yet they still followed him. But he saw a need of the people, and they didn't know what they needed. They just knew that all they heard was that good things that Jesus was doing. And they knew they needed to chase after him and pursue after something so awesome and so great. You see, Jesus looked at the people with such compassion and such wonder and such mightiness. And he said, I want to do something mighty for them. Many of us today come from a place of want. 
Many of us come from a place of desire, come from a place that, that we, we need something greater to occur all the time in our lives. Otherwise, we don't know what's going to transpire. That might be financial. That might be a health need. That might be a physical need. It might be an emotional need. It might be something that I can't even think of, but you know what it is, and you're asking God to do some miraculous things. But there's a point in our lives where we have to learn that our pursuit has to come to Christ. You see, these people were hungry and eager for something, and they didn't know what it was. They heard all the good works did. And what the scripture reminds us is, is that Jesus looked at them and he says, I'm going to heal you. And he starts ministering to these people, and they start going around and just living in the awe and the moment of the goodnesses of God. And, and I'll be honest, there are points in my life and my seasons that I've been in where God has been so good to me that I don't want to leave it. There are moments in our lives where we don't want to neglect what God is doing, but we want to hold on to the hope of what he's going to do in the next part, where we, we, we just don't want to walk away from it. And we get our place in a time, thank you, Chip, yeah. Sir, a place in a time where God is, is, is doing some miraculous things, and we got to hold on to it a little deeper. <clears throat> and we don't know what's going to happen. But sometimes we're on the other side of the coin where we're watching what God is doing, and we don't know what we're going to do next. I want to talk to you about being on the outside of the good things that are happening and not knowing what we're going to do next. You see, the people were getting ministered to left and right, and God was doing things, and, and sometimes we as Christians get mixed up into the emotions of it. What do I mean by that? I'm not saying it's not good to have the emotions. I'm not saying it's, it's not good to, to get uh, related to it and understand it. I'm saying sometimes... As Christians, we get into a place where we get so religious with what we're doing that we lose sight and lose heart of who's with us. You see, what we read in this text is, is, is something so miraculous that occurs from such a little thing. You see, what, what occurs here is there's a problem. These people are so many. You see, the text tells us there was 5,000 men without the women and without the children. Many theologians in this time or throughout the years have calculated with their, I don't know what kind of calculator they're using. And they said, well, we speculate there's about 1,500 people or 15,000 people that are on this hillside waiting for Jesus to do something. And they're all hungry. And I can understand the point when the disciples hear Jesus' words that says, hey, don't send them away, but you go feed them. Because I can see the panic in their eyes. I can see the panic in their minds as they're trying to 
to, to make something come alive in their heads to where they could make it happen. But I think it's interesting that the text reminds us how it happens. You see, what we need to understand is we could have all walked away from a situation in our life where God is speaking to us to do something. Just like the disciples could have looked at Jesus at this moment and said, what are you smoking, Jesus? We cannot go and do this miracle that you're asking us to do. There's 15,000 people. We have no money. We have no means. We have no store. We don't have a kitchen. How are we going to feed these people? And I think it's interesting. Because Philip's response is what we would have. Where are we to buy the bread so that we may let these people eat? We only have 200 denarii worth of bread, uh, and, and, and that, that won't even buy enough bread to allow each of them to have a little bit. Let me, let me, let me kind of break this down to you. 200 denarii? One denarii was one man's wage per day. They had 200 denarii. Isn't it interesting that the text reminds us how much they have? And I'm pretty sure they knew how much was in their ministry bag, and they had 200 denarii that was in there, and they were like, um, Jesus, what are you talking about? We don't have the means. We don't have the measure. We don't have anything. We're just a little lost with what you're asking. It's kind of like what happens in our lives. A lot of the times we get into situations where God asks you to do some really crazy things, and you're like, God, how is this going to happen? How are you going to make this occur? It's kind of like when this church started years ago, and they started out in a home, and then they ended up buying the basement church where it was a hole in the ground that they kind of all met underneath the dirt. It was like a berm home because they didn't have the money to build the house, so we bought it, and, and they start ministering there, and then we ended up getting the church and the Struthers, and God blessed that church and allowed us to have the finances to buy this church, and, 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 and it's, it's kind of a wonderful thing. But in the process of it, you're always asking, how does this occur? And it doesn't always add up to how it should it's, it's, it's a phenomenal thing that comes across because we struggle to calculate and understand how we can do awesome things with the little things we have. I think it's interesting, though, because even in the face of an impossible outcome, somebody came up and told the disciples, hey, I don't have much. Got some bread? And I got a couple fish. I don't know what you're going to do with it, but here you go. And isn't it awesome how God blesses the little to do the miraculous? You see, what I'm trying to get at this morning is that there are going to be times in our lives where we will not understand what God is going to do. I don't understand why he lets sickness happen. I don't understand why I have to have a little bank account. I don't understand why sometimes my car doesn't have enough gas to get to the point that I, I'm getting at because my car is blinking at me saying, you have zero miles and you have to go 15 miles. And I'm like, Lord, please just touch my car and let me get to a gas station in 15 miles. 
I don't understand why we get into these situations, but I'm thankful that we have the reminder in the text of this little boy's lunch that came up to, to Peter, and he says, here's the food I have. And, 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 and it brought to attention that there is something that's going to transpire in the lives of these 15,000 people plus the disciples. You see, the little boy had a little bit of a leftover that was getting ready to do an awesome work. Leftover? How do you figure he's got a leftover? Because I know what I feed my kids. Let me tell you, my kids have already said, Dad, we want chicken, mushroom, rice, casserole for dinner. And I said, okay, why? Because we want to pack it for our lunches. I said, okay. See, I love my kids because they like the leftovers. Because it helps to nourish them through the week. And I can tell you right now, I know that this little boy's leftovers was leftovers because there's no way his mama's sending him out with some raw sardines. He's not getting no little raw uh, dough bread kicking up. No, his mama cooked the night before the food that she had prepared for the whole household. She had a couple of fish left over and some bread that she baked that was a bunch of barley bread. And she sent her son packing And it was in this little that we see God's faithfulness come through. It was in this little that we see how God is able to do the miraculous with what we seem so insignificant. See, Jesus saw the need. <clears throat> he knew the heart of the boy. He knew the discouragement that was kicking through the disciples. And he said, just bring it here. And let me show you what I can do. There's somebody in the house of the Lord this morning that needs to know that if God can do anything, he can make the mess that you think that you're in and wash it clean. He can make the little bit in your bank account stretch beyond your wildest dreams. He can make the wonderful things transpire greater than you'd ever have because what we have a hope in is an omnipresent, omnisufficient God in our lives. You see, he takes the leftovers, the little parts, and does the big works with it. He took the remnant of, of, of all of Israel when all of Israel was going and doing their wickednesses in all of their lives. And he made them to become the voice and the mouthpiece that reminded the people of the good things that God is able to do and is still cake, uh, calculating to do according to the agreements he sets forth. But that's where we have to remember the good things that God does in our lives. Let me tell you, there are days in my life that I become discouraged and say, God, why are you forsaking me? God, why are you letting me go through the fire? Why are you letting me go through the difficult seasons? Why are you making me so discouraged this morning, God? And it's in those moments I have to remember about the leftovers of what God has already done. You see, the, the word reminds us that they were all satisfied on the hillside after they got their bellies full. 
that God had blessed them so much that it left a mark in their, their minds, Lord, that, that, that they could go back and revisit. It's kind of a, what they call a memento in their minds of, of what God had transpired. I know not all of them followed Christ after that. In fact, the scripture says that they all left him after a while when he started preaching the hard word. When the rubber met the road where they had to realize what they were going to really have to eat on was not what they wanted to eat. But I truly believe that what God speaks and brings into our lives are supposed to be parts in our moments that we can go back and revisit to give us a hope again. It's like the times in my life where I remember God so vividly moving and transforming who I am. Like the time I left the encounter ministry where I, where I walked away and said, God, I don't want to smoke anymore. And I got out of the car on my way home and I lit up a cigarette and I was like, okay, God, we'll see how this works. And I waited for the high to kick through. If you don't know anything about smoking, and I'm not trying to advocate it, if you haven't had a cigarette in a while, it does something in your body that causes this, this weird sensation to kick in. A nicotine high, a buzz. Well, anyway, I remember after this whole encounter that, that it was in that moment. I got out of the car, I lit up my cigarette, and I waited for the first couple hits to kick in, and I waited for this, this, this whole body feeling to kick in, and it never kicked in. And I can remember it was in that moment that God had done something great in my life. You see, that was a moment that God met a need that I had that I wanted to get free of. It's the thing that keeps bringing me back to the hope that I have day after day when all I want to do is just say, God, I quit. God, I can't do it. God, I'm not capable. And that's when God is trying to tell somebody. It's in those weird memories that you might have in your life where God is trying to say it was not by your power. You're not able, but I am. You see, we have to get back, church, to where we go back to those memories in our minds where we, we can hold on and they can be so vivid. And they bring back the truth that we lost sometimes. Because we all start forth in a race with eagerness. Every single day. Every single year. It's like this. What was your New Year's resolution this year? Do you remember what it was? My New Year's resolution was to lose weight. I can tell you it's not going very well because the scale keeps saying I get heavier. But I started off with eagerness. I went to the Y. I walked around the track. I did some exercises. I was eager. I lost a little bit of weight. But then slowly over time, life happens and I get discouraged and I lose track of time, and I'm not able to do it. You know what I'm talking about, right? You've had those moments like you're like, oh, I'm not going to eat sweets this year, but as I eat a Tootsie Roll. <laughs> Let me, I'll put it this way. One year I said, Lord, I'm not going to eat ice cream this year. I lasted two days because the Chocolate Paradise Kroger brand ice cream just was so appealing. <laughs> it's a slow fade. But that's why we need reminders of what we're doing. 
It's like when you look at bodybuilders, you're like, okay, how do you keep on track and put yourself so far to where you're going to go in and go, oh, I'm going to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger and get buff. <laughs> how do you do that? And they're like, well, I just put my reminder in my phone. And I set my calendar. And I set the priorities in place. And I do all these wonderful things that I know that if this is my goal and I'm going to do everything I have for it. But sometimes in our lives as Christians, we set the reminder in our mind, but we don't want to ever set it as a priority in our lives. Yeah, Lord, I'm going to serve you today. But then Monday hits, and you're like, oh, I can't do it. And then you start cussing like a sailor and doing everything underneath the sun, and you're just like, I don't know how to live. But that's why I'm thankful. That you don't have to do it on your own strength. That even when God's saying, I want you to go and do the impossible in your life, I want you to transform your life to become more like me and less like you. And you're, he's like, go ahead and do it. And you're like, um, God, I can't do that. What are you talking about? This is not who it is. And he says, get ready. Let me bless it. Let me transform the leftovers of who you think you are to become what you are required to be. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that he didn't leave a mess of a, of a Stephen back in the day to be what I once was and left me to my own vices. Because if that was it, you Lord knows you wouldn't want to hear a word that I ever said. But it's the truth. Because what we have to hold on to is the fact that the leftovers in our lives are the evidence of the miracle that has taken place. So many of us wonder, why do I still have sin in my life? Can I just be transparent? You are all struggling with sin. Oh, you guys aren't really liking this one because it hurts. Because you don't want to think about the negative parts in your life. Why do we struggle with these sinful desires in our life? You think you're holy and righteous? The Apostle Paul said, I struggle with it every single day. Oh, this wretched thorn in my side. But why is it that we hold on to these? It's because the leftovers are the reminders of what God is still doing in and through your life. You think the turkey was all about the leftovers. No, the turkey was just a memento of the good conversations of what happened. It was the reminder of the good things that you had that day. But let me tell you, we need to start living each and every single day with a reminder of the goodness that God is still not done with you yet. But better yet... The leftovers are the evidence of the miracle that has already taken place. But they show us that God is still providing a bountifulness in your life. And they're reminding us that we are not to waste what we are provided. Oh, what is that supposed to mean? Simply saying, if God is still moving in your life, you are still valuable. If God is still speaking to you, you're still valuable. If you still have breath in your lungs, you're still valuable. It's not meant to be wasted any longer. You know what the church struggles with so much with, the, with everything that we have is that we waste our breath on our conditions instead of praising God in the conditions. Yeah. 
We waste our time and our energy trying to run these rat races, not realizing that we don't have our hope in ourselves. But it has to be connected with Him. We run our race thinking that we have to have it all put together. But what God is trying to remind us is, is there's greater on the other side. You see, I kind of find it funny that as I read through the text in Matthew, that I could read through the text in Luke and in book of Mark and in John. They all record this one miracle. They all say the same thing. There was no, no food. There was 5,000 people. But at the end, God blessed them and fed the people so much so that there were 12 baskets left over. 12. 12, if you look at the number, it's the number of the tribe of, of Judah. That's the number that, that shows God's promises in, in Judah's life, or in Israel's life. It shows us the goodnesses of what God is doing, but it also shows us that there's something greater that's going to still go in store. You see, so many of us take for granted the things that God does. Can I, I'll let that set it for a second. We take for granted the things that God does. What is that supposed to mean? You take for granted the breath in your lungs. You take for granted the ability to hear. You take for granted the ability to articulate words. You take for granted the sight that you have, that you could drive a car, that you could do all these things and all these wonderful, wonderful things that God has blessed you with. You take for granted those things and you take for granted them in a way, in a fashion that you start getting disheartened and, and, and so self-consuming and the mentality that goes on. But I need to tell somebody this morning that we're all leftovers. We are all the remnant of God moving in and through this society that we live in, where we live in the United States, which was once a Christian nation that would send their, 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 their missionaries all over the world trying to baptize everybody in the name of Jesus Christ. But they got so contingent and so complacent and so off-focus that if you look at our nation any longer, you would never know. A new statistic says that 30% of all the women below 30 don't trust the church. Why is that? It's because the church has no longer put its focus on Christ. I love worship. I love the music we sing. I love the messages that we get preached. I love the people here. But the second we start taking our focus off of Christ and putting it on how the music sounds, on how the video feed always operates, all of the different things, then I say we just close the doors. Because what's the point? That's why I love it when we go back there in the technology booth and you don't realize how many issues that flare up every single Sunday morning. They cause all the gray hairs on my beard. But they remind me of what the purpose is. 
They remind me that the enemy is still trying to fight the good things that are going on. And they're reminding me that we are not to, to become to where we this, just overlook and look at the blessings that God has given us in a despairing way. You see, what we have to remember is that if we're all leftovers, we still have a purpose. We all have the ability to do something even greater, become another miracle that comes through it. There were 12 baskets that were left over. We don't know what they did with the baskets. Of all the broken pieces, all the little things that you would think would go to waste. But if my mother-in-law was right with what she did with her leftover turkey dinner from our house, where she put it into a pie crust and made it into another thing, let me tell you, you might think that you're broken. You might think that everything's falling to pieces. But it's time to let God start putting it into the new pot pie of your life, so to speak. And allowing God to take the brokenness and start making a new provision for the next season in your life. It's time to walk in the full surrender where you're willing to get put into the fire once more to be made something even greater as God is taking the broken leftovers and making them new if you'll stand with me this morning. See, that's what we're called to walk towards. That's what we're called to be. That's what we're called to remind ourselves every single day that God is still not done with any of you yet. He's still moving. He's still breathing. He's still taking the brokenness in your life and transforming it to be the blessing on the other side. But it all comes through the choice where you're like the little boy. I got two fish and five loaves. It's not much, but it's yours. See, that's the choice that we have to make every single day. Where we're like, okay, God, I don't care what it is, just use it. Use me however you want. I don't know who this is for this morning, but with every bow, head bowed and every eye closed, if that's not what, something that you're familiar with, and it's because you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, and you want to make him the Lord of your life, because you're like, there's something about this Jesus that can do the miraculous out of nothing, and you want to make him that your, the, the Lord of your life, raise your hand this morning. One, two, anybody else this morning? Three, four, anybody else this morning? Right now, I already know the angels are already rejoicing because God is moving miraculously on your life right now. Is there anybody else this morning? Another hand? Okay. If that's you online this morning, just send us a text and let us know who you are. Because what we're getting ready to do right now is we're going to say a prayer that means absolutely nothing if it doesn't come from your heart. Where you're saying, God, I fully surrender what I am and who I am to you. So repeat with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a mess, but God, I'm broken. But I know you can mend me because your word says that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And Jesus, you are that Savior. You died on the cross to pay my price but you rose from the dead to make me new to give me a new life and to show me 
that I'm not done yet. So Lord, today, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give those a round of applause this morning? But this is also the other part. We all get tired. We all get weary. But we have to keep walking back to the reminding moments of what God has done to give us that future and a hope. No, life isn't easy. Life has its ups and downs and all arounds. But it's His favor and goodness is that we can hold on to. Father God, Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for who you are, God. Lord, we ask that you just touch each and every one of us this morning, Lord. Blessing us, Lord, with a reminding nature of who you are. Remind us once again where we were and what you've done. Remind us every single day of all the goodnesses that you've done. And give us that future and the hope, Lord, that we need every single day when the enemy wants to come and rattle us like nothing else. But God... You are a good God, and we trust you in it all. Jesus, you have it all. Take it all, Lord, and be with us. In Jesus' name. And the church said? Amen. Church, I love you all. Hopefully next week I won't be so night quilled up. But that being said, go and be the church. Go love your neighbor as yourself as you love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And go and be the difference. Go. Be the leftovers. Love you guys.